0: You're listening to Comedy Central.
1: Experts claim there is nothing tougher than a diamond. But a Diamonds Direct, we beg to differ. Have you ever met a mother? Strong.
0: August 1st, 2018. From Comedy Central's World News Headquarters in New York, this is The Daily Show with Trevor Noah, Ears Edition.
2: is a former U.S. ambassador to Russia. Michael McFaul is here, everybody. He is... He is one of the people President Trump almost agreed to hand over to Vladimir Putin to interrogate. Yeah. So Putin couldn't get him to talk, but I will. But first, let's catch up on today's headlines. Let's start off in Europe, where the French have officially declared war on the
3: iPhone. France has banned the use of smart devices in schools. Children between the ages of three and 15 will have to leave their smartphones and tablets home or turn them off during school hours. Students 15 and older can use their devices. France's education minister says the law protects students from screen addiction. The ban starts in September and fulfills the president's campaign promise. That's
2: right, French kids won't be allowed to have smartphones in school, but don't worry, They'll still be allowed to smoke cigarettes. Uh, <laughs> I can just see their teachers like, Pierre, put down your phone and finish drinking your wine. <laughs> but, professor, it's a 2014 Cabernet. That was enough here. I don't care. We must get back to our lesson on how to pleasure a woman. <laughs> oh, and speaking of not knowing how to pleasure women, Paul Ryan is in the news today. After filming the PBS show Finding Your Roots, the speaker of the house was surprised to discover that he is in fact 3% Jewish. And so he responded by tweeting, guess I need to start saying L'chaim now too. Okay, first of all, Paul Ryan, that's not how it works. You could have been saying it this whole time if you wanted. Yeah, although I bet when Jeff Sessions heard about this, he got all excited and was like, when can I start saying the N word? I gotta test my DNA. In other news, in other news, last night, President Trump was at another campaign rally, this time in Tampa, and once again, he said something that left us going,
1: huh? The time has come for voter ID, like everything else. Voter ID. You know, if you go out and you want to buy groceries, you need a picture on a card. You need ID. You go out and you want to buy anything, You need ID and you need your picture.
2: (laughs) Something tells me this guy has never been grocery shopping. (laughs) Like, ever. He probably tried it once, but the first thing you see when you walk in is the produce aisle, so he just walked right back out. He was like, Ew, vegetables, gross. Oh, groceries, I get it now. (laughs) One day I'll be president. All right, let's move on to our top story. 3D printers, they're changing the way we make everything. Car parts, jewelry, and most importantly, dildos. Which has changed my life because I no longer have to suffer the shame of shopping in person for car parts. But America being America, it was only a matter of time before people started 3D printing guns. And today was meant to be the day that it became legal to publish gun blueprints online until a party-pooping judge got involved.
0: Today, a federal judge in Seattle blocked the uploading of any more blueprints for using 3D printers to make guns. And the founder of a pro-gun group agreed to stop posting any new blueprints online until September while a multi-state lawsuit makes its way through the courts. It may be too late. Over a thousand people had already downloaded uh, these blueprints online. I can imagine that number's even higher than that and I'm sure they're getting passed around.
2: Look, I know that 3D printed gun works and can kill a person, but goddamn, that thing is stupid looking. (laughs) Like I would be so embarrassed if I was killed by something that looked that dumb. (laughs) Like when I got to heaven, I just have to lie about what happened they would be like, how did you die, man? I'll be like, oh, who, me? I uh, drowned in a porta party at Coachella. Uh, (laughs) Be like, oh, well, at least you didn't get killed by one of those dumbass plastic guns. I'll be like, yeah, (laughs) yeah, that would be pathetic. (laughs) But it turns out, it turns out, these guns looking stupid isn't the only downside. From handguns to semi-automatics, made of plastic and without
0: a serial number, the guns are untraceable and undetectable, able to pass through most metal detectors. These ghost guns are the new wave of American gun violence. The idea of these print-on-command ghost guns is every bit as scary as it sounds.
2: Yeah, you're damn right, ghost guns sounds scary. You put ghost in front of anything, it immediately puts you on edge. Pencil, ghost pencil, whoa. Yeah, at the time, ghost dad didn't seem so scary, but now, huh? Yeah, Bill Cosby, with the ability to walk through walls, terrified. (laughs) Not responding to a text doesn't sound so bad, but ghosting, now that's some scary shit. Oh, and by the way, Amy, uh, I see you posting new Instagram stories every day, which is really weird for someone who said she's in a coma. Uh, Although if you are in a coma, hit me up when you get out, no hard feelings, I love you. (laughs) (laughs) Now, obviously, Democrats have always been anti-gun and anti-ghost. But you may be surprised to learn that even President Trump has doubts about 3D guns.
0: President Trump tweeting just moments ago, I am looking into 3D plastic guns being sold to the public. Already spoke to the NRA. Doesn't seem to make much sense.
2: Now, yes, most things don't make sense to Donald Trump, (laughs) uh, like tailoring or the word no. But in this case, (laughs) President Trump is right. It doesn't make sense. Unfortunately, though, gun laws that don't make sense is pretty much what America does. So there's a good chance that these homemade guns are here to stay. And so I guess we may as well look at the bright side of 3D printed guns, right? I mean, like, 3D printers are crazy slow. So even though everyone can print a gun, at least now you have a waiting period, yeah? Maybe? And I mean, I know there's still the problem of plastic guns getting past airport security, but if Congress can't block printed guns, maybe they can pass a law that says all printed guns have to be shaped like dildos. (laughs) Yeah, because if you've ever flown, you know it's the one thing the TSA always manages to find. (laughs) Always. That lady's laughing way too loud. (laughs) If you have a dildo in your bag, they will find it. The TSA are like truffle pigs for sex toys. Look, what I'm saying is we already live in a world where everybody can have a gun, but the least we can do is live in a world where people are embarrassed to be caught with one. We'll be right back.
0: The wait is over. The shy returns May 10th on Paramount+. And the stakes have never been higher. Everything changes on the south side when a new threat comes to power in the Showtime original series from Emmy winner Lena Waithe. Battle lines will be drawn, alliances will shift, and danger lies around every corner leaving everyone to wonder who they can trust. Visit ParamountPlus.com slash shot to get a 50% discount off the Paramount Plus with Showtime annual plan. Offer ends July 14th. Subscription auto-renews. Restrictions apply. Like many of us, you might think identity theft will never happen to you. But consider this. There's a new identity theft victim every three seconds in the U.S. That's over 15 million people by the end of this year
1: One of the most
2: powerful positions in the US government is speaker of the house. The speaker has full control over what the house votes on and they're second in line to be president. And on top of that, they even get their own private bathroom. No one else in Congress has that except Ted Cruz, right? But that's just because he pulls his pants all the way down when he pees (laughs) and no one wants to see that. So right now, right now the house speaker is Paul Ryan. But he's quitting in January because he wants to spend more time with his backwards hat collection. Uh, And now people try to tell him that backwards hat collection was just a regular hat collection worn backwards, but he wouldn't listen. This country is so divided. But anyway, (laughs) Ryan leaving means House Republicans will need to choose a new leader. And while they have many options, there's one name that's getting more attention than most. Congressman Jim Jordan uh, says he
0: will run to replace the retiring Paul Ryan, the Speaker of the House. So Jordan is a staunch Trump uh, ally. Congress has got to do a better job, and that's why I want to be the next Speaker of the House. We got to
1: focus on doing what we told the American people we were going to do, delivering on health care, delivering on the border security, on immigration, and all those other issues. If you become the Speaker, and
2: look, I will support you for Speaker. Whoa. A Sean Hannity endorsement. Yeah. (laughs) You know, even if you've never heard of Jim Jordan, you know that if Sean Hannity rolls with someone, they're not a great person. (laughs) Yeah, if Hannity started hanging out with Paul Rudd, I'd be like, there's something buried in Paul Rudd's backyard. (laughs) We should check that out. Now, even before Jordan announced his run for speaker, he was already in the news for trying to impeach Deputy Attorney General Rod Rosenstein, right? Who's in charge of the Mueller investigation. Uh, Some people say Jordan is doing that to protect President Trump, but personally, I think he wants to impeach Rosenstein because a few weeks ago he owned Jim Jordan
1: at a hearing. Did you threaten staffers on the House Intelligence Committee? Media reports indicate you did. Media reports are mistaken. Sometimes, but this is what they said. Having the nation's number one law enforcement officer threaten to subpoena your calls and emails is downright chilling. Did you threaten to subpoena their calls and emails? No, sir, and there's no way to subpoena phone calls.
3: Well, I mean, I'm just
2: saying. He was like, no, sir, there's no way to stop paying our phone calls. (laughs) Do you know how humiliating it is to get smacked down on (laughs) C-SPAN? Because you realize now there's retired librarians across the country who are watching that like, God damn, that bitch got dunked on. (laughs) But while Jordan tries to get rid of Rosenstein, he may need to watch his own back. Because before he was in Congress, he worked as an assistant wrestling coach at Ohio State. And we're just now learning that one of his trademark moves may have been enabling
0: sexual abuse more than 100 ohio state alumni have now come forward with first-hand accounts of sexual misconduct by a former university doctor the case has gotten a lot of attention recently after ohio republican congressman jim jordan was accused of knowing about but not reporting abuse committed by strauss while jordan worked as an assistant wrestling coach at ohio state jordan has denied any knowledge wow turning a blind eye
2: to rampant sexual abuse of the kids you're supposed to be protecting. I'm sorry, it doesn't get more scumbag than that. And if these allegations are true, then Jim Jordan is basically Joe Paterno part two, which sounds like a sequel nobody would want to see.
0: <laughs> it's
2: like Titanic part two. It was so awkward because Rose would open the door and see Jack and she'd be like, Jack, you're alive. <laughs> He'd be like, yeah, and I've been measuring doors and I'm pretty certain I could have fit. I, uh... <laughs> I'm I'm pretty certain. Now, look, obviously these are just allegations, but Congressman Jordan's defense doesn't sound
1: very convincing. I mean, I never saw, never heard of, never was told about any type of
0: abuse. Take a listen to uh, DeSabateau from one of the statements he made earlier this week.
1: I know Jim knew about uh, the what I call the deviant sexual uh, atmosphere that we were exposed to. How do you know? How do you know? Well, we all had conversations. It was something that we would discuss on a regular basis, mainly with nervous banter, locker room banter. Conversations in a locker room are a lot different than um, allegations of abuse or or reported abuse to us.
2: Hold up, hold up. So they basically told Jordan about the abuse and he didn't think it counted because they were in a locker room? Like, what is it with these guys in locker rooms? <laughs> oh, it, it just feels like nothing you say matters in there. Like, you know what I feel like I'm gonna do? I'm just gonna start carrying a locker room around with me. Just, <laughs> yeah, and then I can say whatever I want. I'll just be in the streets like, F- the police! And they'll be like, what did you say? I'll be like, nah locker room. <laughs> locker room. And now, Believe it or not, believe it or not, a lot of House Republicans are standing behind Jim Jordan. Yeah, maybe, maybe it's because they've already seen much worse. Back in the 2000s, a man named Dennis Hastert was the Republican House Speaker. And he later admitted to molesting children when he was a wrestling coach. And he was convicted for paying hush money to cover it up. So at the very worst, Jim Jordan is an upgrade from that. And frankly, I think that's what he should run on.
0: Dennis Hastert was an admitted pedophile. He abused multiple young boys and tried to hide his horrific actions with payoffs. Jim Jordan is only accused of enabling sexual abuse, and the victims weren't children. He is the progress we need. Jim Jordan, not as bad as a pedophile. We'll be right back.
2: Is a professor at Stanford University who served as U.S. ambassador to Russia under President Obama. His latest book is called From Cold War to Hot Peace An American Ambassador in Putin's Russia. Please welcome Ambassador Michael McFaul. Welcome to the show. Thanks for having me. Congratulations on the book. Uh, you served as an ambassador to Russia.
1: Before we get into the whys and, yes. and, and the hows, Barack Obama sent me there. That's the answer to your question. The, why? That's why. why? I, I did have a choice. So,
2: so I'm assuming he hated you. <laughs> why would someone send you? To, we'll get into the whys of okay. why he sent you to Russia. All right, but 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 let's talk about. Russia and the U.S. right now. You know, it's a, okay. it's a, it's a continually unfolding story. And um, one of the most instant, uh, one of the most um, recent, rather, um, you know, updates to the story was the Helsinki summit. Yes, I was there. Donald Trump meets with uh, Vladimir Putin. They have a private
1: meeting, which is yes. which is abnormal. And when they emerge bad, from the meeting... A bad idea. Let's not, you're too, too diplomatic. It's oh, not I'm abnormal. too diplomatic? It's not oh, abnormal. Wow. It's a bad like, idea. Okay, okay. <laughs>
2: Um, and so Donald Trump comes out, and what, what shocks people, amongst many other things, is when he says, um, you know, uh, Putin was kind enough to say that we could interrogate uh, his uh, people who we feel have meddled in the election, and in exchange, he gets to interrogate some of our people, yes. and you were one of the people he was offering up. Yeah. At that point,
1: did you think, run? <laughs> Well, I was in Helsinki. I worked for another network called NBC. Right. uh, And I was there with uh, Lester Holt. We were getting ready to go live, right? And uh, he made this crazy proposal, Putin did, right? And completely crazy, just to underscore how crazy it was. It is a UK businessman who laundered money out of Russia assisted by U.S. officials, and at the time, Putin was saying intelligence officials, right. to help Hillary Clinton in her 2016 election. So he said all that, and that's when our president said, this is a great idea, I want to I oh. offer up these people. Oh, so, so, so Trump heard Hillary, and then he was like, yeah. I wasn't at the meeting, I wasn't there, but, but probably that piqued his interest. Okay,
2: yeah. okay, so how, why is this such a bad idea? Why would you not want Putin to interrogate
1: you in Russia? <laughs> You obviously have never met Mr. Putin, I have. Uh, um, I mean, let's let, let's be serious. They accused us of a crime. Vladimir Putin accused me of a crime committed in Russia, and he, he didn't want to just interrogate me, he wanted to indict me, he's, he's accused me of a crime. So the idea, whether you're Democrat or Republican, let's leave that aside, we can't have our ambassadors our soldiers, our uh, AID workers, our uh, anybody serving the United States of America abroad, be allowed to be hauled in by dictators? That sends a really bad message, and right. so we got to push back on that. Now, tragically, the president didn't. President Trump didn't. He called it a great idea, you know. And at the time, I don't think he really understood what was going on. Right. Um, Maybe that's part of the problem. Maybe he shouldn't spend two hours with Putin when he doesn't understand these issues. Uh, eventually, they got it right, but, uh, you know, to this day, I have to worry about travel in third countries. Right. There's just this Interpol and something called Red Notice where uh, I don't think it's likely, but, but Putin's a little uh, unhinged these days where he might chase me around and seek to detain me and then extradite me to Russia. Wow. I thought I had Don't problems. travel with me. Yeah, yes. Yeah, yes. <laughs> Um,
2: th- there is an interesting part of the book when you, when you talk about Bush's relationship with Putin. And he, the two men had an interesting relationship because it seemed like it started off well, and then yes. 9-11 took things off course, you know, with the, with the war in Iraq. Yes. But, you know, we were quick to judge Donald Trump when he said he met with Putin and he believes him and he's a good guy, right. et cetera. But you write about an incident where President Bush did the same thing. He met with Putin and Putin was wearing a cross, and he told him a story of the cross... And Bush then left the meeting and came out publicly and said to everyone, I've looked into this man's soul and he's a good man. Right. Could it be that it's not Donald Trump who's an idiot, but rather that Putin just has really beautiful eyes?
1: <laughs> <laughs> like, what, what does he do in these meetings to people that makes everyone walk out going like, yeah, may- maybe, maybe he's cool. <laughs> well, as I write about in the book, I've had some meetings with Putin myself. Uh, he has... Uh, rather distinct blue eyes, and they scared the hell out of me. Right. Uh, Because he thought of me as somebody that Barack Obama sent to foment revolution against him uh, in Russia, and he used to say that. His media used to say that. But to your point, uh, there is this problem with presidents, and even President Obama probably had a bit of it himself, which is they think that if I can just establish a personal relationship with this guy or that guy or this woman, and here in the case of, of, of Russian leaders... All be able to right all the wrongs from the past. Right. And, and that is a, a temptation to personalize politics, personalize diplomacy. Trump has it worse than anybody I've ever seen. Mm-hmm. He wants to meet with everybody, and then once he meets them, they're the greatest guy he's ever met, right. right? So whether it's Kim Jong-un, the North Korean guy in the uh-huh. Singapore summit, or Vladimir Putin, where he just lavished praise on this guy. And let's remember who this guy is. This guy has... Uh, repressed his people. It's a dictatorship today. He has invaded his neighbor uh, and annexed territory, right? If I were writing the Ten Commandments of, of how to deal with your neighbors, thou shall not annex the territory of thy neighbor, probably be number two or three on my list. <laughs> right. Uh, don't use nuclear weapons. would be the top. Uh, but then he supported this horrible dictator in, a, in Syria who's gassed his own people. And right. then he violated our sovereignty in 2016 in our presidential elections. That's the guy that our president was lavishing praise on. Right. I don't understand the logic of that diplomacy. It's, it's interesting that most of the conversation
2: has been around the lavishing of praise. Because I, I went to Russia for, for the World Cup, yes and I had the pleasure of speaking to a few Russians I mean everyone from taxi driver through to a lawyer who worked in some way for like the administration because everyone's working for the Kremlin in right. some way
1: yes Good and point. what was what was interesting? I hope you were careful on what you said
2: <laughs> I have nothing I have nothing to tell them. I just know where the scripts are um, <laughs> And so what was interesting was, was how Russians, I mean, for the most part, I didn't speak to all of them, but they, they said, we like Putin and he's yes. not a dictator and he's right. brought Russia back into the golden age yes. and we feel like an important country again. Right. And then many of them said, and people say this about us and they go, but America has also invaded countries that yep. they shouldn't have invaded. And right. America has repressed its people. You look at the civil rights movement, yes. you look at the laws in the country. And so they go, so are we not just two superpowers doing the same
1: thing? Right. How do you respond to that? Well, two things. With respect to Putin, he just was lucky. He showed up as president right as the Russian economy began to grow after a decade of the worst depression, three times worse their depression in the 1990s than what we experienced in America, right? Had anybody showed up, that would have happened to them. Right. In fact, a former friend of mine who was later assassinated, his name's Boris Nemtsov, he was the heir apparent. He was the one that they were going to choose. And for a variety of reasons, Yeltsin decided to go with Putin instead of Nemtsov. Had he gone with Nemtsov, history would have been different. But the second point, it's called whataboutism. Uh, It's a classic Putin tactic, Uh, and elements of it are true, by the way. I think it's legitimate to to question what America does. We've made mistakes, uh, and we've overthrown regimes. When Vladimir Putin accused me of being sent by Obama to foment revolution against him, Mm -hmm. he would say, don't forget, the Americans did that in 1953 in Iran, and they did it in Serbia in 2000, and paints a pattern that's consistent. Uh, To that, I would say two things. One, just to be clear, I was not sent by Barack Obama to overthrow Russia. That's crazy. That's not what President Obama was about. We were not uh, involved in that. He sent me there to continue a policy that we called the reset. It was just that Vladimir Putin was threatened by his own people, and he needed a scapegoat. He needed to blame us for those Russians that that demonstrated. They were Russians. They weren't taking my orders. They were his people. Uh, But the second thing is, my mother taught me Two wrongs don't make a right. Right. So just because you were against the war in Serbia in 1999, that doesn't make it right for you to annex Crimea. Mm-hmm. You know, if, if, if my house gets broken into, uh, uh, that doesn't give the right to my neighbor to break into it again. Right. And I just think whataboutism is a very dangerous thing, especially when it's about me, because whataboutism was exactly what Putin was doing in Helsinki. Mueller had indicted these Russians russian intelligence officers they were accused of crimes with lots of evidence and so he showed up to helsinki and he said well what about this mcfall guy uh i got a list of people that i think are criminals as well and that false uh equivalency i think is very dangerous to walk down it's dangerous and it's also the reality we live in now because
2: trump sees, seems to buy into that he's he a big fan of whataboutism yes As someone who has been intimately connected to the Russians from the American side for such a long time, From Cold War to Hot Peace is a very specific title. Do you think that America is further away from a conflict because of Trump and the fact that he will give everything to Russia? (laughs) Or do you think that this may lead to something worse further down the road?
1: Well, there's this odd thing with the Trump administration is that the Trump administration, his government has one policy towards Russia. Uh, But he doesn't agree with it. So what they're gonna do is hard to predict. I just want to say that uh, as an observer from Palo Alto these days. Um, uh, The structural things, though, I think are pretty bad because Putin fears us, he thinks we're the enemy, and he does think that we're out to overthrow regimes we don't like. And let's be clear, there's some empirical data to support that hypothesis from the past, right? Uh, but because of that paranoia, whether it's in Russia in 2011 and 2012 or in Ukraine in 2014, where people also rose up against mm-hmm. him, I just think fundamentally we're never going to be able to have a cooperative relationship as long as Putin is the president of Russia. Now, here's, here's some good news, though. I'm going to predict. I'm going to go out on the limb. We political scientists, we're not very good about predicting the future. Right. I'm going to predict, though, that Putin will not be president forever. Uh, how about oh, that?
2: Well, wow, that's a, that's a that, great prediction. And
1: that gives, I think, hope uh, for the future, because when I was in Russia, you know, I've lived in Russia six or seven years of my life. I've been there many, many times, well right. before I was ambassador. Uh, there's a lot of great people in Russia. You probably met them. They want to closer relations with us. They don't understand the geopolitical stuff. And when I was uh, an ambassador, they tried to ban me, right? I couldn't be on TV shows like yours, by the way, in Russia, because... They didn't want me to be public, but I would travel around the country. And I just met too many young people that just said, hey, we just want to live a normal life, uh, be able to vote for our own rulers, right? Not just to have it dictated from above, be able to travel and have better relations. So I think in the long run, I'm really optimistic about Russia and U.S.-Russian relations. I just don't know how long this interregnum of the Putin era is going to last. Thank you so much for being on the show, man. This was amazing. Thank you for having me.